This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight we begin with another tale featuring Edmund O'Brien as Johnny Dollar, an insurance investigator who meticulously records every expense he pays out while the employee of his company. And he records every cent. But before the show, a little about Edmund O'Brien. As a youngster, he put on magic shows for kids in his neighborhood with coaching from a neighbor, Harry Houdini. An aunt who taught high school English and speech took him to the theater from an early age, and he developed an interest in acting. O'Brien began acting in plays at school, and he began working at Summerstock in Yonkers. He made his first Broadway appearance at age 21. His theater work attracted the attention of Pandro Berman at RKO Pictures, who offered him a role as the romantic lead in The Hunchback of Notre Dame, 1939. And now, here's an interesting little experience he had while working with one of the truly greats of the acting world. He was cast as the undercover police officer in White Heat in 1949, opposite none other than James Cagney. And according to O'Brien, Cagney said he had only one rule. He would tap his heart and he'd say, play it from here, kid. He always did. And he went on to say, I believe it's the best rule for any performer. Cagney could play a scene 90 different ways and never repeat himself. He did this to keep himself fresh. And O'Brien said, I try to do this whenever possible as well. Edward O'Brien had a very sad ending. In the late 1970s, he fell ill with Alzheimer's disease. And in a 1983 interview, his daughter, Maria, remembers seeing her father in a straight jacket at a veteran's hospital. He was screaming. He was violent. She says... I remember noticing how thin he had gotten. We didn't know because for years he'd been sleeping with all his clothes on. Well, let's go to tonight's episode, a little happier maybe along the way. Here he is in the episode entitled The Lucky Costumator, Edmund O'Brien as Johnny Dollar. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment, presents for your listening enjoyment, Edmund O'Brien as Johnny Dollar. Johnny. Louise Costa. Oh, Louise. Say, that's funny. I was thinking of you and Lucky just this morning. Were you? Yeah, how are you? I don't know, Johnny. That's why I called. What's the matter, Louise? Something about Lucky? I don't know. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm getting tired of being a detective's wife. Hey, wait a minute. That doesn't sound like you. No, but something's wrong. He's been on a case and he had to go to San Francisco, or at least that's what he told me. I haven't had one word, not even a postcard in a week. That doesn't sound like Lucky. Maybe he's in trouble. Divorce case, Johnny. Could I talk to you about it? Maybe I'm all wrong, but I'd like to know. Yeah, sure, Louise. I'll be over in about an hour, if that's all right. The makers of Wrigley's 
Spearmint Chewing Gum bring you Edmund O'Brien in another adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to New York Police Department Attention Homicide Bureau. I in no way expect you to honor this statement, but for the sake of convenience, I'll use my regular report form. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Lucky Costa matter. His real name was Frank Costa. I don't know where he picked up the Lucky tag, but he'd had it five years ago when both of us were on the payroll of one of the big detective agencies. He opened his own office at about the same time I went into insurance. I got to know him and his wife well, but not intimately, and I liked them both. So when she phoned with worry in her voice, I went over to see her. In a way, I wish I hadn't. Now that you're here, you're kind of silly and embarrassed. Well, you don't have to talk about anything you don't want to, Louise. Why don't we go to dinner and a movie and forget the detective racket for a while? That doesn't work, I tried. Johnny... It's not only this week that I haven't heard from him. Lucky's changed. How? It's nothing I can explain to you. If you'd seen him every day, you probably wouldn't have noticed anything, but something that a wife could see. Thing with his eyes when he didn't know I was looking at him. Sort of a far away, as if he was thinking of something that I didn't have any business knowing about. You know Lucky's never been like that. Well, I guess any man keeps secrets when it's his job to. Well, Lucky never has with me. He didn't need to. As far as his job went, he's always told me that it did him good to come home and talk things over with me. Even things he really wasn't supposed to talk about. It hasn't been that. You think he's mixed up with another woman, don't you? Started over a month ago, Johnny. I've been used to Lucky being away. You know that. Yeah, I guess you'd have to be. Like I said, I... I knew when things got different, when... Well, it was more than just being away from him. You sure you aren't imagining things? I'm not imagining that I haven't heard from him in all this time. That never happened before. Hmm. How long has this been going on, this change you speak of? I tried to remember exactly when I first noticed it. I think it was one night about a month ago. I asked him what he was thinking about and sort of came to and said something that I don't remember now. Did you press it any further? A couple of times, and then I didn't anymore. Because it made me think he was hiding something from me. I didn't want to think that. I kept telling myself that everything was all right. But now I know it wasn't. Was he on a case a month ago? Well, he was tracing some ponies. It doesn't have anything to do with work, Johnny. I know that. He'd traced ponies before. He'd done everything before. It wasn't work. Well, I don't have a wife's viewpoint, but I know Lucky pretty well. Some things about him I know better than you do. It seems to me that if he was going to go wrong with a woman, he'd have done it a long time ago. We met some, you know. Yeah, I've heard. Does his brother still live here in town? Yes, but I haven't phoned him. Same address on Broad, wasn't it? Yeah. Are you going to see him? Yeah, I thought I might. You want me to check on Lucky, don't you? I don't know what I want. Yes, I want to find out. All right. I think his brother is the best place to start.
The last time I'd been at the Broad Street address had been for the funeral of the Costa's mother. The house was a few years more beat up than it had been. Some old chicken coops stood empty in the backyard, and Joe, the brother, pulled up in an old car after I'd thumbed the doorbell three or four times and had started to leave. I took the wife and kids over to the park so I could have some peace for an hour or so. Yeah, I almost missed you. I'm glad you didn't, Johnny. It's been a long time. How things been going with you? Fragile, you? Ah, guy can make a living. But making it go far enough is another story. Take them in the house. Sure, thanks. I'm working over at Brickers now. Better spot in the old job. Had one raised already and got another one coming up. Yeah, that sounds good, Jim. You still doing the same thing? Yeah, still following people. You, uh, see much of Lucky anymore? No, no, not for six months anyway. Matter of fact, I came here to talk to you about him. Yeah? What about him? Well, I wondered if you'd spoken to him before he left for San Francisco last week. No. I talked to Lucky for the last time as far as I'm concerned. That was about a month ago. What's the matter? Thought you two were okay, that you got along all right. You're a pretty good friend of his, aren't you, Johnny? Well, you know how it was. He and I just fell together when we were with the agency. Yeah, we're good friends. Maybe I see him only twice a year, but he's almost the only guy I've held on to. Did he ever tell you about his first wife? He was married before? Yeah. Did he ever tell you about the year and six he spent in prison? Joe, are you serious? Yeah. That's the way Lucky is. He don't let his friends know anything about him that he don't want them to know. He's always been like that. There's always been two sides to Joe. One that you know about and one that you don't. What about this prison term? His grand theft. It was over this girl that he married, his first wife. He stole some furs for her. How long ago? Twelve, fifteen years, I guess. Well, we're still living in Brooklyn. Lucky was a wild kid when he was 18 or so, and he still got some of it in him. Who was this woman he married? Her name was Hazel Mackey. And she called me about getting in touch with Lucky. Oh? Uh-huh. When? That was about a month ago. That's when him and me had our showdown. I told him he was a dumb cluck if he saw Hazel again. I said, you got a new life now. You're amounting to something. You're married to a nice kid. But I could tell I wasn't getting to him. He was going to see her. I knew that. So I told him if he did, it was the end of him and me, brother or no brother. You're sure he saw her? No, before he left that he would. She had some kind of a hold on him back when they were married. And she still got it. What do you want with Lucky, John? Louise called me. She hasn't heard from him in a week, and she wants to know what goes. He dropped out of sight. Sure he has. I knew he would. Where can I find this Hazel? New York. She's got an apartment on 82nd. You got the number? Uh, yeah. Come on in the other room. I'll get it for Hazel Mackey? Yeah. Who are you? My name is Dollar. I'm a friend of Lucky Costa's. Oh, come on in. Thanks. You know where Lucky is? Not at the moment, no. Who are you? I told you. He's been missing for a week. His family is worried. I'm looking for him. He's on a case. Is he working for you? Yes. What kind of a case? I don't know, but it's any of your business. I need a detective, so I hired him. Is that all right? It would be if he were on the up and up about it, but he isn't. As far as his wife knows, he's in San Francisco on a divorce case. I can't help what he tells his wife. How did you get here? His brother told me about you. I guess his wife doesn't know. I guess that's why he told her he was going to San Francisco. 
Do you know where I can reach him? No, not for a while. Do you think I ought to send his wife to the police? I don't see why you should. I will if I don't find out about the case he's on. Hey, what's with this pressure stuff? What's the case? I needed a bodyguard. What for? I was engaged to a guy who was sent to prison. He was there two years, and I changed my mind about him. He's out now, and I'm afraid of him. Who is he? You know I don't like you. you got a lot of nerve. None of this is any of your business. I wish you were right, but I've already stuck my neck out and made it my business. So if I don't find out these things from you, I'll find them out from someone else. Yeah, guess you would. His name is George Myers. What makes you think he's going to cause you any trouble? Some of the things he told me when I went to visit him. It's hard to talk sense to a man who's been in prison that long. I tried to tell him how I felt, but he'd blow his top and make a lot of threats. Where is he now? I don't know. Been out a week. Lucky's trying to get a line on him. He hasn't contacted you yet? No, but he will. When it's over with and we get things straightened out, then Lucky can go back to his wife. Now, if you approve, I'd just as soon you'd get out of here. Well, a few things don't figure. You answered the door, but they're not like a dame that's afraid of someone coming, but I suppose you're right. Lucky's business, how he earns his money. I'll tell him you dropped in. It's up to you. Good night. So long. I put off telling his wife for two days because I didn't know how and because I didn't think it was up to me to tell a thing she never knew about her husband. But on the third morning, it broke. The story made page one, part two of all the New York dailies. The body of ex-convict George Myers had been found the night before. He'd been shot to death by what they called an unknown assailant. I phoned the brother, Joe Costa, and met him outside Bricker's during his lunch hour. Hi, Johnny. What's up? Well, maybe the local papers didn't carry it here. What about it? Who's this Myers? Friend of Hazel Mackey's. She told me she hired Lucky to bodyguard her against this Myers. Oh, you mean Lucky killed him? I don't know, Joe. That looks bad. Here, read this last paragraph. Myers went to prison on a robbery rap, but the money was never recovered. There's $200,000 floating around, Joe. I can't help wondering if this Mackey woman hadn't her finger on it. Why do you have to tell me this, Johnny? Because I couldn't carry it myself. I talked to Hazel. What she told me put the finger on Lucky. I wanted you to know because I'm going to have to go to the police with it. This is going to kill Louise. You know that. What can I do, Joe? Well, it seems to me you could stop playing hero. Now, wait, Joe. You don't have to run to the police. If Lucky did it, let them find out. You don't have to tell Joe. them. Not for that no-good Lucky, but Joe, Louise. Joe, listen to me. If they get to Hazel Mackey and she tells them about talking to me, then what happens? Then I'm in trouble. I can't afford that, Joe. I've got to stay clean with the police. Sure, stay clean, no matter what it does to Louise. That's the way it is, then. Huh? I didn't ask to get mixed up in it. I didn't tell Louise what I found out about him, but it's out of hand now, Joe, and there's nothing I can do. Go ahead, then. Go ahead. Maybe some nice fat cop will pat you on the back. Joe! Joe! Ah, it's a sour racket. O'Brien, we bring you the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. 
I left Hartford for New York on the 110 that afternoon. When I got there, the later editions reported the usual rounding up of known criminals who were being grilled about the Meyer shooting. And the closer I got to the apartment on 82nd Street, the rottener the whole thing looked to me. Who is... Oh. Come on, open up. Hi. What do you want? Where is he now? Lucky? I don't know. I told him to give himself up, but he wouldn't. Did he kill George Myers? Yes, the stupid idiot. How did it happen? Lucky had a room over at the Montclair, and George must have followed me over there. You went across town so you could be with your bodyguard? Yes. And the man you were afraid of followed you? Yes. You were either not very bright or not very scared. Go ahead. Well, about two o'clock we came out, and George was waiting in the lobby. He followed us out on the street and started swearing at us. He took a swing at me, and then Lucky tried to stop him. He pulled a gun out of his pocket, and that's when Lucky shot him. It all sounds very neat. What do you mean? Sit down. I've got a theory that I'll try out on you. When I get close, tell me. The $200,000 that never showed up after George Meyer's arrest. For a split of that, Lucky agreed to kill him. You're crazy. You hire a detective as a bodyguard. Theoretically, he could kill this man you were afraid of and ride out of it on his license and the self-defense plea. It was self-defense. George pulled a gun. The police didn't find it. If it was self-defense, why didn't Lucky report it like he should have? I wanted him to. We came back here and I begged him to phone the police. What about the $200,000? I don't know anything about it. You mean it'll be hard to prove that you do? I said I don't know. I take it you haven't phoned the police. No. I know I should, but I just can't do it to Lucky. You know, I'm going to call them, don't you? I thought you said you were his friend. Not that good a friend. What can they do to me? Hold you as a material witness while I try to get some proof together that you dragged Lucky into this. Dragged him into it? I hired him. I told you that. I was afraid of George, and, and I hired him. And he killed Myers in line of duty and in self-defense. Why didn't he turn himself in? I don't know. I wanted him to. He must have given some reason for not doing it. What did he say? Well, he, he said that... Everything was all ruined now and that he'd rather take a chance on getting away. Why was it ruined if he killed in self-defense? I've had to do it. I don't know. Were you going to help him get away? We didn't talk about that. He was like a crazy man, pacing the floor. And then he left about 3.30. Where was he going? He didn't say. Was he going to get in touch with you? Yes. He said he'd try to call. Well, he won't be here to take the call. I want the police to hear your story. The officer who answered my call was Lieutenant Carl Belder. Two uniformed men who were with him took Hazel Mackey back to headquarters, and he listened to my theory. We searched the apartment without finding proof of her holding any amount like $200,000. She had a small savings account, a small checking account, and a stub showed that she had paid Lucky Costa a week in advance. We waited the rest of the afternoon for Lucky to call, and he finally did an hour or so after dark. Go ahead, Dollar. That might be him. Johnny Dollar. Who? This Lucky. This is Johnny Dollar. Don't hang up, Lucky. Why should I hang up? Hiya, Johnny. I'm all right, Lucky. How are you? Fine, fine. Yeah, I can imagine. What was the matter with you? I don't have the slightest idea what you're talking about. How about you explaining yourself? 
What are you doing in my girl's apartment? She's not lonesome. She's down visiting New York's finest. Why don't you use your head and come on in, Lucky? <laughs> she I like it where I am. You still figuring on trying to run out? Sure, it's worth a chance, don't you think, Johnny? If you killed Myers in self-defense, why don't you play it that way? You haven't us called Trace, Johnny? I hope we wouldn't have to play games like that. I thought if I could talk to you, you'd come to your senses. Can I meet you someplace where we can talk it over? <laughs> no, thanks. You're a good guy, Johnny, but I think you might sell me out. You've already been sold out. What's the matter with you? You know, if positions were reversed, I'd give you a hand. I wouldn't ask you to. Anybody gets himself in a mess like you're in shouldn't expect help. Now use your head, Lucky. Let's get this over with. <laughs> sure. Sure, I'll meet you in Times Square. New Year's Eve, Johnny. Lucky? Uh, you know him better than I do, but uh, don't you think you pressed him a little too hard? Wouldn't he have believed you if you talked like you were going to help him? No, he knows me better than me. Well, it's a tough spot, Dollar. An old friend like that. Well, he's still in New York. He won't get out now, will he? Well, everything should be covered by now. Uh, you know him well enough to guess what he'll try? I don't think so, because a killer isn't the guy I knew. His clothes are still in the hotel room. I don't think he'll try for them now. He's got about $200 in his pocket. I don't have any idea what he'll try, Lieutenant. I guess all we can do is wait. An officer was posted at the apartment. Lieutenant Belder and I went down to headquarters. Under steady questioning, Hazel Mackey held to her story that she knew nothing about any $200,000, that she'd been afraid of George Myers, that she'd hired a detective in good faith to protect her, and that after Myers had been killed, she had pleaded with Costa to give himself up. It seemed apparent to me then, after having talked with him, that she had her statement well rehearsed and felt that if she stuck to it, there was no way for us to prove anything else. I stayed in New York that night and the next, waiting for something to break. When it came, it came from Hartford. Joe Costa wanted to see me as soon as possible. Johnny? Yeah, Joe. Come on in. All right, I got here as fast as I could. How's Louise? Not very good. Sit down. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry about blowing up the other day. All right. I didn't blame you. It was a bad time for both of us. You're right, Johnny. All I could think of then was he's my brother. But now it don't make any difference. He's no better than a rat that you got a trap. There's nothing to do but stop him. You're right, Joe. I had to quit my job over him. I couldn't take it the way the boys were looking at me. They wouldn't talk to me. It'll smooth over. What do you want to talk to me about, Joe? Has he contacted you? Yeah, he phoned me. He wants for me to give him some money so he can get away. He needs more than money now. He'll never get out. What'd you tell him? Well, I told him I didn't have any to give him. And that was the time I knew for sure that you were right about him. So when he asked me again, I told him I'd see what I could do about raising some. I told him to call back tonight. I... I did that so I could sell him out to you. It was the right thing to do, no matter what you think. He wouldn't think twice about pulling you into this mess, Joe. And that's what he did. He asked you to be a party to the killing. Yeah, I know that. 
When is he going to call? Sometime after 7 o'clock. Does he want you to meet him? Yeah, that's right. With 200 bucks. He's going to tell me where when he calls. He's still in New York, isn't he? Yeah, in Manhattan. You want me to talk to him? Yeah, if he gives himself up, I, I kind of figure they might take it easier on him. It could be. That's a deal, Joe. I'll talk to him. I'd like to see him go in by himself. Well, yeah. Uh, want a glass of wine while we wait, Johnny? Yeah, yeah, that'd be fine. This is some new stuff for my wife's folks. I took her and the kids up to their house to stay till this blows over. You think we were all criminals the way people treat us in this town? The call came in about 8.30. The meeting place was a flat near the Bowery. The time was about 10 the following night. I was there at five minutes after. Hi, Lucky. What's this? Let me in. Nice place you got. You like it better than a home with a wife? Shut up. Joe sold me out, huh? He gave you a break. He didn't call the police. He sent me some money? No. You think you had any right to ask him to? I need some dough, Johnny. I'm running short. What about your girlfriend? You can shut up about that, too. A double cross, Lucky, huh? Yeah. Yeah, a double cross. A real good one. <laughs> I got no beef coming. You gonna let Hazel get away with it? Not worth the murder rap to square with her. You know who set up the double cross for? Who? You did, Johnny. You stumbled into this thing and set it up for her. Maybe she'll send me a gold watch. I saw her three days before you killed him, Lucky. If you knew I stumbled in, why didn't you pull out? She didn't tell me about you until after I killed him. Oh, that's the way it went. Yeah. One little thing Hazel forgot. And she hoped it wasn't important. She hadn't wanted to bother me with it. But a friend of mine acted like he was suspicious of what we were doing. All it did was blow the whole thing sky high. I was not a cop of self-defense plea, but... You were around, sniffing out the premeditation, I didn't have a chance. That's tough, Lucky. I'm sorry it didn't work out for you. Get off, will you? I came into this with my eyes open. I know what kind of an operator she was. I'm not beaten. There was a chance to make a hundred grand, so I took the jump. So I lost. What now, Lucky? I'm going to ask you. You want a drink? No, thanks. Want a drink with me, huh? Not right now, Lucky. <laughs> Afraid I'll slip you a Mickey? I wouldn't put it past you if I was in your way. You are in my way. Everybody's in your way now. The whole world. You can't make it, Lucky. You won't get out of town. How much you got sizzling? Start making sense. You've been on the right side of enough of these things to know you're finished right now. No, I'm not. I want you to get a shirt and tie on, make yourself look halfway human, and go to headquarters with me. They may give you a break if you give yourself up. David, quit talking about it. What are you going to do? I'm not sure now that Joe sold me out. I'm in a bad spot, Johnny. I know that. I'm not ready to quit yet. Joe didn't sell you out. He wanted to give you a chance to give yourself up just like I do. We're still your friends, Lucky. We can't stand by you if you won't do the right thing. Then I'll go it alone. When? What do you mean by that? What do you think I'm going to do, Lucky? Sit here with you until you get ready to leave? I sort of hope you would. 
You'd make it easier if you did. Well, I can't. I came here to give you a break. I've made my offer. Come with me. Give yourself up. Oh, I can't do that. Well, then I'm leaving. I'm telling the first cop I see to come and get you. You're going to put a gun on me, Lucky? Yeah. I can't let you leave. And you'll have to use it. You want me to come up a coward in front of an old friend like you? I'm sorry, Johnny. You got nothing to lose? You won't get blamed if I get out of here. I can't let you, Lucky. I'm not bluffing. I'll have to see. I'm leaving. I'll ask you once more to go with me. Don't try it, Johnny. I'll kill you if you start for the door. That's your privilege, Lucky, because you're already a killer. Johnny. Yeah? I'm telling you, don't. Johnny, I'm telling you. Johnny, I told you. Well, Dollar? He won't give up, Lieutenant. Well, we'll take him then. He's armed and he's drunk. But take it easy on him if you can. He could have killed me, and he didn't. I realize that the confession as set down in this report is worthless as evidence, and as far as proof goes, you are still unable to charge Hazel Mackey for her part of the conspiracy. But after Frank Conta died trying to fight his way out of the flat, I want to suggest that she be picked up again and grilled until she breaks. She's as guilty as he was. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Johnny Dollar brought to you by Wrigley Spearmint Gum stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Edmund O'Brien can now be seen starring in the Paramount Pictures production, Warpath. Featured in tonight's cast were Virginia Gregg, Gloria Blondell, High Aberback, Peter Leeds, and Sidney Miller. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum. Hope you've enjoyed tonight's story of Johnny Dollar and that you're enjoying delicious Wrigley Spearmint Gum every day. We invite you to join us next week at this same time when from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien returns in another adventure of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Bob Stevenson speaking. This is the CBS Radio Network. Stay tuned for The Dennis Day Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Dennis Day Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Day. Well, in your eyes, and 
Dennis Day is brought to you by Colgate Dental Cream and Luster Cream Shampoo. Colgate Dental Cream, to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. Luster Cream Shampoo, for soft, glamorous, dream girl hair. The Dennis Day Show with Barbara Eiler, B. Benadera, Dink Trout, John Brown, Charles Dant in the orchestra, and yours truly, Vern Smith, is written by Frank Galen and stars our popular young singer in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. Here's Dennis to sing Putin and a Fightin'. Putin and Fussin' and a Fightin'. Sometimes it gets to be exciting. Don't like them ornery neighbors down by the creek. We'll be plumb out of neighbors next week. Grandma, poor old grandma. Why the have to shoot poor grandma? She lies beneath the clover. Someone caught her bending over. Picking up a daisy, feudin' and fussin' and a fightin'. Picking my heart, I love you. This is a wrong that needs a rightin'. Let's get that funeral service over so then we can start in a feudin' again. You must remember this. A kiss is just a kiss. A sigh is just a sigh as time goes by. Daughter, baby daughter. She poisoned all the neighbor's chicken. Now daughter had an order. Least still she could run like the dickens. They hit her with a shovel. Feuding and fighting and a fussing. No use of standing here a cussing. Let's give our daughter a pistol now that she's four. And go feuding and fighting some They say truth is stranger than fiction. But maybe you better hold on to your hats for this one. Our own Dennis Day has been offered a job on the staff of the Weaverville Daily Bugle and to write, of all things, the society column. Well, the news has spread like wildfire. Even now, the Bugle switchboard is swamped with calls from people wishing to verify the rumor and cancel their subscriptions. <laughs> and how did it all happen? Well, that's what our young hero's girlfriend, Mildred, would like to know, too. Oh, golly, Dennis, it's just marvelous. But why should these people give an important job like that to you? Why? Well, sure, they don't know anything about you. I know, but for once, that isn't the correct explanation. Well, what is then? Well, for weeks now, I've been sending in little squibs for their gossip columns, hoping someday to land a job. Squibs? What kind of squibs? Oh, little items that would shock and fascinate people, like who saw which film starlet at what nightclub recently with which other film stars what? <laughs> and they printed that? Sure, names make news, you know <laughs> Yes, I can see that And then, of course, there's my smear campaign Every columnist has to have one of those Smear campaign? Sure, I say, watch this column for the name of a movie actress who's had only one husband And then you print her name? Well, we will, we're waiting for one to turn up 
like that that got you the society editor's job? Yep. The man who has the job is quitting, and they're going to let me try it for a while. And I know I can make good. Oh, I do, too, Dennis. Sally, you'll be mingling in high society. And just think what this job can mean for the two of us. Well, uh, Mildred, it's true that the society is high, but the salary is kind of slummy. <laughs> but surely they'll pay you more than Mr. Willoughby does. Oh, sure. Nothing is that slummy. <laughs> then, and the prestige of it. You're going to be an important personage in this town. Yeah. People are going to recognize you at last. Yeah. And respect you. Yeah. Oh, certainly. Even my mother will respect you. Oh, girl, come now. Let's not be flighty. Janice, think of the power you'll have over her. Mother, do anything to get into a society column. Gee, I never thought of that. Of course. This is your chance to assert yourself, to stand up to her, to tell her off good. Yeah, and have I got a few things to say to her. Boy, how I wish I could see her face when I do. Well, why can't you? I'm not that crazy. I'm going to write her a note. <laughs> oh, no, you're not. You're going to do this in person. In person? Mildred! Janice, I tell you, there's nothing to be afraid of. Mother must have heard about your new job by now, and I'll bet her attitude towards you has changed completely. Why, well, sure, gee, if you... Dennis, you darling boy. Good morning, good morning. Yeah, looks like. Good morning, Mother, Daddy. Good morning, children. <laughs> Dennis, is it true about you that you're to become society editor of the Bugle? Yep, I start Monday morning. Oh, how wonderful. You'll be one of the most important men in Weaverville, Dennis. You ain't just wiggling your plates, kiddo. <laughs> There's going to be a few changes around here. Changes, dear boy? You heard me. You've been yelling and screaming at me and kicking me around long enough. I'm sick and tired of being treated like one of the family. <laughs> Why, Dennis... From now on, I want heat in my room, see? And I want the sheets of my bed changed regularly. I change them every week, Dennis. I know you do, but from now on, put on clean ones. <laughs> of course, son. Just remember, I'm a society editor. I write what I like about anybody I please. Uh, yes, I know. That reminds me, I think my shoes are a little muddy. Oh, could I shine them for you, Dennis? <laughs> could I please? You catch on quick. Hop to it, Puffy. <laughs> Oh, this very moment. Come along, Herbert. Take it easy. I'll go when I feel like it. <laughs> Herbert, may I remind you that while Dennis's status has changed, yours is still the same. Coming, lover girl. <laughs> Wonderful. Didn't I tell you you could stand up to her and assert yourself? Yeah, and she took it without a quiver. I think I broke her spirit. I know. And some of the things you said. Oh, that was nothing, my girl. Just wait till I start operating on Mr. Willoughby. Your boss, too? He's practically my ex-boss right now. This little ex-worm is going to turn all over him. It's about time, Dennis. Do you realize you're ten minutes late? Shut up. <laughs> what did you say? You heard me, Egghead. <laughs> Egghead? That's right. For almost two years now, it's been Dennis, watch the soda fountain. Dennis, mop the floor. Dennis, do this. Dennis, do that. Work, work, work. Sixteen hours a day. Now look here. The only difference between me and Uncle Tom was that he had a cabin. <laughs> Dennis, you listen to me. Save it, Wendy. 
I just dropped in here to tell you that I'm through with this sweatshop. Mildred's outside waiting for me right now. Well, that's fine with me. Now get out and take your silly telegram with you. Telegram? What telegram? Here, they phoned it in and I wrote it down. Let's see. Please disregard our appointment. Present society editor not leaving at all. Have nothing else for you at the moment. <laughs> are, are you sure you got this right, sir? Yes. I don't know what it means, but it was addressed to you. It means I love you, Mr. Willoughby. Huh? Adore you, worship you. Can't live without you, not at the moment. Oh. So now you want your job back, huh? Oh, I've always spoken of this store as my second home, Mr. Willoughby. You just call it a sweatshop. My home gets overheated now and then, too. <laughs> you also said a few things about me personally. Some very nasty things, Dennis. Why, Mr. Willoughby, precious. I always speak of you in the most complimentary terms. You compared my head to an egg. You call that a compliment? Oh, yes, sir. Have you priced eggs recently? <laughs> I don't care to discuss it any further, Dennis. But think of the way I've done my job here, Mr. Willoughby. You'll never get another boy like me. That's true. I'd have to be awfully careless. <laughs> I'll do what I can to help you find another job, but you're through here. Now go. Yes, sir. Well, Dennis, did you tell him where to get off? Yeah. Well, what's the matter? I couldn't persuade him to get back on again. What are you talking about? Well, I got a wire from the paper. The society editor isn't quitting after all, so there's no job for me. Oh, my gosh. You said it. And how about your mother? After the way I talked to her, I have a feeling she isn't going to leave me with any. Any what? Feeling. <laughs> That darn society editor hadn't changed his mind about leaving. Everything would have... Wait a minute. Something? Yes. Suppose he did quit. Suppose some big owner of a newspaper chain offered him a better job. He'd pack up and leave, wouldn't he? Yeah. What's my name and how many papers do I publish? <laughs> Good boy. You're getting much quicker than you used to be. <laughs> Gee, look, he's got a private office. H. Austin Peterson, society editor. Do you really think he'll go for the story of me being a big publisher? Well, he will if you're careful. Just keep your ears open, and if I think you might be making a mistake of some kind, I'll, I'll sort of clear my throat, okay? Yeah, that's a swell idea. Good. Now, remember, I'm your secretary. All right, let's go. Okay. Yes? Uh, Mr. Peterson, I'm a man of few words. How would you like to work for me? Twice the salary you get here. <laughs> Why, who are you? I'm a very wealthy newspaper publisher from Kansas City, Kansas and I... Kansas City? Well, imagine that. That's my hometown. <laughs> You're telling me, and I had the whole country to pick from, too. <laughs> well, what do you know? So you're from Kansas City? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Kansas City, New Jersey, of course. <laughs> oh, New Jersey. I, I don't believe I ever heard of that one. Good. Well, as I say, Mr. <laughs> I want you. You're a fine newspaper man, every inch of you. Well, thank you, sir. <laughs> I've tried to give my best for the fourth estate. Good boy. Of course, I'm working on my fifth already. <clears throat> Oh, really? I thought I was going pretty good there. <laughs> well, anyway, there's my proposition, Mr. Peterson. You see, I know newspaper men start at the bottom of myself in a newspaper office with $20 a week. City desk? No, as I recall, the newspaper owned it. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Is there something the matter with the young lady's throat? My secretary? Oh, she just has a little cold. Then you'd better stop talking before she gets pneumonia. Oh, oh, Mr. Day's a little eccentric like all geniuses, Mr. Peterson, but I assure you he's a splendid newspaper publisher. You bet. Take an editorial, Miss Anderson. You mean now? Sure. I got a great idea to build up circulation. We're going to lampoon some big public figure. Call up Winchell and the other boys and see who isn't taken. I think this has gone far enough. All right, friend, what's the game? Game? Why, there's no game. Oh, it's I... no use, Dennis. He's on to us. Dennis, eh? Dennis Day. I thought that name was familiar. You're the little man who was after my job. Oh, no, sir. I just thought as long as you were quitting... I didn't quit. They fired me. Only I don't stay fired very long. I know where too many bodies are buried in this town. That's how I make my living, friend. From people who don't want certain stories in the paper. Gee, you mean you aren't wholesome? <laughs> so what? Now beat it, both of you. But isn't there any way for Dennis to get some kind of a job on that paper? Maybe a reporter's job. Let him do what I did. Come up with a scoop, an exclusive. They hired me to get the story I had. Gee, there's only one way I could do that, Mildred. Go home and tell your mother I'm not going to be a society columnist. I can see the headline now. What? Day draws to a close. <laughs> We'll continue this rather harrowing day in the life of Dennis Day in just a moment. Meanwhile, here's Dennis to sing Don't You Love Me Anymore. Lately, whenever you hold me, you don't hold me tight. Don't you love me Just being silly to feel like I do. Am I the one that you adore? Or don't you love me anymore? Well, it looks like our hero's newspaper job has gone a-glimmering, and so beaten, he's made his sad way back to Willoughby's store to get his things, knowing full well as he steps through the back door that nothing newsworthy ever happens in Weaverville. Say, wait a minute. Who are these two suspicious-looking characters hanging around the front of the store? Okay, Sam, I got the door right where I want it. You sure you've seen this Willoughby go out now? These daylight hoists make me nervous. Ah, there ain't a soul here, I tell you. You stay here and watch the door. I'll take care of the cash register. Make it fast, Monk. Take it easy. I'll have everything. Oh, yes, sir. Can I help you? Stand where you are, cousin. Oh, are we related? <laughs> no, cousin, but you're about to treat me like one of the family anyway. Do you know what I got in my hand? How could I? It's in your pocket. Hey, wait a minute. You just gave me a great idea. Suppose, now just suppose you had a gun in that pocket. Suppose you had come in here to rob this store. Of course, it's ridiculous. Huh? Oh, please don't be insulted. Oh, contraire. 
I'm fascinated. Look, would you do me a favor? A favor that means everything to me? I need a new story badly. Would you pretend to hold up this store? Pretend to hold up the store? Sure. Walk out with the safe in the cash register. <laughs> oh, I, I know what you're thinking, that my mind is beginning to wander. Oh, who cares? It's fun following it. <laughs> well, would you do it for me? Take the stuff up to your house or someplace for a day or two? My boss won't mind. He's promised to help me. And it'll make a marvelous story, don't you think so? Oh, I just know I'm going to tell it to my kids. <laughs> okay, pal, you got a deal. Oh, bless you. Sam, forget the door and come here. This kid wants we should take all the stuff out of this store and hide it in our house for him. Monk, you promised me you wasn't going to touch the stuff while we you was working. Ah, this is on the level, Sam. That's what the kid wants us to do. It's a sort of a game. That's right, sir. Say, might be jolly good sport at that, huh? Let's play. Well, you two grab the safe and carry it out to your car and I'll take the cash register. Right. Let's go with the safe, Monk. Okay. Follow me, boys. Steady now. Yeah, there we go. Say, uh, pal, you don't know any other places where we could play this game, huh? No, I'm afraid not. Ah, too bad. I was kind of hoping it was a trend. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. A series of robberies. That would be even a bigger story. Oh, but you've sacrificed enough of your time already. I wouldn't dare ask any more. Ah, oh, go on. Dare. <laughs> Well, if you'll be over at the Anderson House, 312 Elm Street, about 8, we'll clean that out, too. Keep the silverware polished, pal. We'll be there. Come on, Monk. Thanks a million, fellas. So long. Gee, what a story this will make. You see, Dennis, when you need a great idea, it comes right out of your own little head. You don't have Never to go... Stay. What are you doing here? Oh, I just came back to get my things, Mr. Willoughby. Do you know those two men who just drove off? Oh, sure. They're very good friends of mine. Oh. Oh, good. <laughs> Shows you what imagination can do. They, they look to me just like the two crooks in the circular we got. In a s s circular? Yeah. You know, from the police. They're supposed to be in the town, sir. Tell us what's the matter with you. Your face is turning blue. Yes, sir. It may never be any other shade from now on. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my soul and body. What did Mr. Willoughby say when he found out? Nothing. He just stood there cracking his knuckles. Is that all? It was enough. He was cracking them against my skull. Oh, golly. All the same, his indifference to me has ripened into hatred. Oh, darn it all. Why couldn't something like that happen to that blackmailing Austin Peterson instead of you? If he made a blunder like that, they'd fire him in the... Say. Wow, what an idea. Huh? What is it? How do I know? I don't explain him. I just see him coming. It's this, then. If he turned in a fake story and got shown up, he'd be through. Yes, I guess he would. Right. Now, let's see. What kind of a story would a man like that be interested in? I've got it. Ever hear of a love nest? You bet. It's a candy bar. <laughs> I'm talking about a secret rendezvous. A lover's hideaway. Oh, that stuff. Yes. Now, listen. You get Mr. Peterson on the phone and tell him you're sorry for what you did to him this afternoon. And you want to make amends by giving him off to a great story. When he hears it's a love miss, he'll come up putting it over here. Hey, 
If you're not on the level this time. Of course I am. Here, you can see them through the window. See? She's holding hands with her Cuban boyfriend. Didn't I tell you? Wait a minute. That's the dame who was with you this morning, your secretary. I know, but in private life, she's my wife. Come on, I've been after that Latin gigolo of hers for a long time. Hey, wait. Put away that gun. Don't be silly. Let's go. Aha! So, I've caught you two at last. Oh, Dennis. Caramba, it is your Usban, Chiquita Tortilla. <laughs> Gonzales, now you must die. Oh, no, no, Dennis. Spare me, senor. Do not shoot me down like some little hot This is it, Gonzales. Die. This is it, Gonzales. Die. This is it, Gonzales. Die. Gonzales, you shall die as you've lived by the night. Whoever said Vaudeville was dead? <laughs> Take that, Gonzales. Oh. Dennis, he's dying. What have you done? Killed him, wouldn't you say? You would, huh? See, see. You not see the blood on the shirt front? Yes. I can even see the chopped olives and onions in it. Heinz's, isn't it? No, it is. That's what makes Spanish blood so hot. What kind of a chump you take me for, Day? This is... Hiya, pal. Here we are, friend. Right on a dot of eight. Oh, my gosh. The two crooks. Sure, you invited the... Sam, he's got a gun. Dennis, quick, point it at them. Huh? Oh, oh yeah. All right, you two. Stick him out of... Stick him down. Stick him where you're supposed to stick him. <laughs> How do you like that? A trap. Hold them, Dennis. I'll call the police. All right, keep him up, you. Boy, you really pour it on, don't you, Day? But this is no fake. These two are wanted by the police, and I've captured them single-handed. Yeah, and when you get them downtown, I'll bet one of them turns out to be Judge Crater. Well, so long, kid. Wait, Mr. Peterson. This is the biggest story you ever had. Gee whiz. There'll be a prowl car here in two minutes. Well, where's Mr. Peterson? He left without the story. Wonderful. Now it's your story. I'll bet you can sell it for a hundred dollars. Yeah, and you'll be the biggest hero in town. Mr. Willoughby will give you your job back in a minute. Gee, I lead an unpredictable life, huh? Look, oh, don't you move either, you guys. I'll let you have it with this gun. Oh, that's right. I forgot it isn't... Whoops, what I nearly said. Dennis returns to our microphone to sing How Soon. How soon will I be seeing you? How soon I wish I really knew. And when Little of love. 
everybody. Next week, tune in to another Dennis Day show brought to you by Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous dream girl hair. This is Vern Smith reminding you that Dennis Day returns again next week, same time, same station. Join us then, won't you? Good night. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we wrap up the week with Philip Marlowe, followed by Life with Luigi. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.